Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. And welcome to the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1437, entitled Powering Through It! Exclamation mark. The podcast title is Powercast. I am Megan McHugh, rolling solo today. Hello out there to Rob. Uh, and on today's show, we will be looking at the empowering Amazon Prime TV series, The Power which is based on the book of the same name by Naomi Alderton, uh, and as well as listening to quite a bit from the soundtrack of that show because it has a really a ripper soundtrack, so I thought um, take the opportunity to play probably a little more music than we usually do here on Zero G. Uh, I'll also be digging into some other trailers, bits, bobs, and bookish-related adaptation news. But first, I did want to sneak in another track from the very excellent Case of the Golden Idol score. So we covered uh, Case of the Golden Idol a few weeks ago on the show. It is a game and it's available on PC and Mac. Uh, It's a point-and-click puzzle detective game. It's got a very well-formulated overarching story about some doomed aristocrats and tangentially relates to our power theme today because the golden idol of the title has some... uh, eccentricities, let's say, and some abilities. Let's add that in as well. So the game is from the Latvian game studio, Color Grey Games, and it is out now. I've been playing a bit more of this since I first reviewed it uh, on the show, and it does get a lot harder and I'm still enjoying it. I'm also happy to say that the main game has a hints ability in there. So if you do get stuck, you are able to get a little bit of help and a nudge in the right direction. So let's hear a track from Case of the Golden Idol. This is from the score by Ukrainian composer, Kyle Misko, and this one is called An Abrupt Act. This is Neil Gaiman in the dangerous alphabet. Zero G comes last. Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. That was an abrupt act from the score to Case of the Golden Idol, which is a game released by Color Grey Games, available now. And that was composed by Kyle Misko. So that's actually a very good indication a bit of the vibe of the game. I love a bit of that, I guess, is that a harpsichord? I'm not sure, but I really enjoy that score and it's quite jaunty Uh, and it goes nicely with the visuals of the game as well. Uh, This is Zero G. I am Megan McHugh and it is, of course, here at Triple R April Amnesty right now and the theme this for this year is Forget Me Not. Uh, April Amnesty is a time for throughout the entire month of April. We'll remind you to subscribe and or donate if you can Uh, and just because the station relies on listener support to keep us on the air waves so we have a couple of drives per year where we just remind you about how much we value our listeners and how you can help the station keep on ticking so if you're not already a subscriber it's a great time to sign up you can go to rrr.org.au forward slash subscribe and uh, you'll be directly supporting the station and helping us keep doing what we do 
If you're already a subscriber, perhaps you would like to pop on and donate at rr.org.au forward slash donate. Every extra bit helps us uh, to stay independent and community focused. So if you'd like to do either of those things or both, hell, we'll take it. Uh, you head along to the website and there's a lot more information on there. If you do subscribe during April Amnesty, so that is any time during April, you'll be in the running for some excellent prizes and all of those are detailed on the website as well. So April Amnesty reminder and I will be popping back in with a few more benefits of what you get as a subscriber later in the show. So before we talk a little bit about some bits and bobs that have popped up in the news and things I'm keeping track of, I thought we'd lead in with a little bit of a fun, fun, fun track, and it'll probably give you a bit of a clue about what I just want to riff on lightly. So let's listen to this from the Beach Boys. This is, of course, fun, fun, fun. Hmm. Broadcast mode. This is Crichton, the service android aboard the Starship Zero-G on 3 triple R FM. SOS! SOS! Mayday! Help! I am being held captive by rogue makeup artists who want to cover my face in plaster and latex rubber. Panic mode. Get me the hell out of here! That was, of course, Fun, Fun, Fun by the Beach Boys. And I played that because I wanted to talk a little bit about the Barbie trailer. So there's been quite a few trailers that have dropped recently, actually. But I wanted to talk about the Marvels one with Rob, obviously. Um, But I did want to talk a little bit about the Barbie one today. So it's gone pretty viral. And I think whoever's done the marketing for this has done a really great job. And it knows how to tap into the way people like to meme, it knows how to tap into the cultural consciousness. And so hats off, round of applause to the marketing for the Barbie movie because it has managed to go viral while still, I'm not really sure what this movie is going to be, what it's going to be about and how whether it's going to be any good. It is directed by Greta Gerwig and it's written by her and Noah Baumbach. So I'm in t- inclined to trust them. I think they're both very talented. So I'm inclined to go into this with confidence. Uh, It is starring Margot Robbie as Barbie and Ryan Gosling as Ken. And the trailer does show us a glimpse of more of the huge star-studded cast that is involved. And that includes Kate McKinnon, Michael Cera, America Ferreira, Emma Mackey, Simu Liu and Nakuti Gatwa. Emma Mackey and Nakuti Gatwa are from Sex Education as well. Um, and Gatwa is obviously going to be the next Doctor too. So we've got quite a lot of people in here, lots of people to juggle, and we actually get to see a little bit more of maybe the tone and some scenes rather than just the teaser trailer, which dropped a little while ago and didn't really tell us very much about the movie yet. This one had a little more information, but again, not that much more. They're still really holding their cards close to their chest, I think. They are really trying to get that hype momentum going right up until the movie comes out in July, probably, I would say, by not giving much away about the plot or what the movie will entail and getting people to really speculate about what it's actually going to be. I think there's a lot of discussion it's going to be some kind of Wizard of Oz scenario based on people, you know, (laughs) zooming into parts of the trailer and circling different things and drawing parallels between Wizard of Oz and the trailer. So, I mean, there's some merit to that. Uh, I think one of the main things I enjoyed was seeing a little bit about the direction they seem to be going with Barbie and Ken. So obviously in this, the Barbie characters we can tell now are all very impressive. They've got a range of different careers and ambitions and the whole vibe is that the Kens are really just Ken. And so we get a little bit about maybe this is going to be very progressive kind of, I hesitate to say feminist satire uh, piece. So, yes, the Barbie intro cards have been popping up everywhere uh, across social media, lots of people talking about this. So we'll see if it holds up and we'll see exactly how it all shapes up in July. 
Also definitely want to do a hats off to the opening iconic shot of her stepping out of the high heels and then her feet stay in the high heel shape. I mean, that's brilliant. It deserves to be talked about. And I think we're really, I have a lot of faith in this. I really do. So that one, like I said, is coming out in July. So we've still got quite a while to wait and we'll probably get quite a few more trailers until the actual release. What else? What else has been happening? So a couple of book-related adaptations that I thought were pretty interesting that I wanted to just drop a mention of. So the first one is there is a Hulu TV adaptation of the book Interior Chinatown. I really enjoyed the book Interior Chinatown. It's by the writer Charles Yu, and he's also involved to write and produce the series, which is going to be 10 episodes. Uh, Yu already has TV creds. He's written episodes for Westworld and Legion. Loved Legion. And so his involvement and his writing credits on this um, will only further its quality, I believe. Uh, Taika Waititi is also attached to direct the first episode and have some producing responsibilities. The cast is starting to come together and they're announcing more and more people coming onto this project. Uh, Jimmy O. Yang is going to be starring in the lead role of Willis Wu. And the cast is also going to include Ronnie Chang, Chris Pang, Chloe Bennett and various others. Uh, Interior Chinatown is about uh, Asian roles and representation in Hollywood. It's by and large a comedy, but it has a lot to say um, through the way it's written. It's written in this very script. It's written as a script, basically. So as you read it, it's like you're reading a screenplay and it really starts to break down um, how uh, the limitations of uh, Asian actors in Hollywood. And so Willis Wu, who's our main protagonist in the story, he's sort of forever relegated as a stereotypical background character, quite literally something called generic Asian man. And he's on a fictional police procedural called Black and White, but he strives to become a leading man. And in this case, the leading man is Kung Fu guy, which again is obviously another stereotype. So it's just about exploring, is there a place for him in Hollywood? What would that look like? And how can he rise to his own ambitions? It's excellent fun, very topical, obviously. And so I highly recommend the book. And I think it will be very interesting to see how the TV adaptation comes together. I think we're quite a way off from seeing any actual footage or any actual episodes, but I've got my hopes pinned on this one. That will be another really excellent Asian-led series. Uh, Something else that's kind of come out recently, uh, which kind of excited me a lot, is A24 is doing a TV adaptation of Jennifer Egan's loosely linked, very popular, critically acclaimed and audience-beloved novels. So the first one is the Pulitzer Prize winner, A Visit from the Goon Squad, and then also her more recent, The Candy House. Now, the two novels are loosely linked. I wouldn't say they're actually The Candy House is a sequel to Goon Squad, but it does feature some of the same characters. But you can definitely read Candy House without reading A Visit from the goon squad so anyway a24 has got their mitts on it and olivia wilde has been attached to direct and executive produce the project along with jennifer fox so wilde obviously recently directed don't worry darling which we did cover here on the show she directed the teen coming of age comedy book smart which i highly recommend and she's rumoredly and i think pretty firmly attached to an upcoming sony spider woman project as well that there's very little details for she was an actor before she moved into directing. She was in Tron, Cowboys and Aliens, her in time. You'd recognize her. You know her. A Visit from the Goon Squad, if you're not familiar, it's a set of 13 stories and they're interlinked and they follow various characters that are all vaguely connected. Uh, it centers around a record company executive and his assistant. And it's largely about music, fate, secrets, and people's different interconnections and what they do and don't reveal to each other. The Candy House is a much more recent novel. It has the same format of the different 
uh, stories that seem to be not that related, but actually really are related. Uh, but it focuses more on themes of technology, social media, memory, and experience. And that one's a little more, I wouldn't say dystopian, but it's a bit more speculative. Let's say that. I really loved The Candy House. so highly recommend that if you haven't read it. A24 definitely seems to be gearing up their TV department. So recently they were also in charge in charge of. They also did the show Beef, which is starring on Netflix. That's an A24 production. That one stars Stephen Yoon and Ali Wong. I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard nothing but good things. So it seems like A24 is really starting to get rolling on the small screen as well as the big screen. I find the A24 logo very comforting. I really don't think I've seen a film of theirs that I didn't like. So... I think it will be interesting to see what they're going to be doing on TV. So that's just a couple of little bits and bobs before we jump into talking about The Power, which is now on Amazon Prime. But before we do that, I thought I'd play a couple of tracks to kind of get us in the mood for talking about an empowering, coming-of-age feminist dystopia show. So let's take a listen to this track, which is from French electronic band M83, and this is Midnight City. That little piece there was Roxy and that was composed by Morgan Kibbe and that is actually from the score of The Power which is now out on Amazon Prime or coming out weekly. Uh, Before that I played Midnight City by M83 and I will let you know why I played those tracks in just a moment after I give you another April Amnesty reminder. So what is so good about being a subscriber to the station? Well it actually works out to be just over like $1.60 per week for a full subscription Um, and for that you get to really feel quite involved in keeping the station going. Triple R, we're not government funded, we rely on things like sponsorship, subscriptions and donations to keep going and it does mean that but because of that, we can keep, keep keeps us honest and we can really give you our real opinions and we can share things really openly and there's no one kind of holding us to account. We are in charge of the direction that the station will go in. Uh, and that is thanks to you, our subscribers and the people who really support the station. Uh, as a subscriber, you'll have the opportunity to attend subscriber events, things like our live to air shows in the performance space. And there's also things like preview screenings and other events that we run specifically for subscribers. And you'll also get a benefits card, which gives you discounts at a range of different businesses around town. You can see some of that information on the site, rrr.org.au, and you can head to forward slash subscribe or forward slash donate if you would like to do either of those two things. If you subscribe during this month, you'll go into the running for some really excellent prizes and sit safe in the knowledge that you've helped a community run and community funded station continue on. Uh, so the reason why I played Midnight City was because the composer of the score for The Power, Morgan Kibbe, she was a member of M83 and she co-wrote several of their tracks, including Midnight City. She was also the front woman for a band called The Romanovs and she releases music under the name White Sea as well. She's collaborated with Panic at the Disco, Lady Gaga, and she's played instrumentally on Harry Styles' album. Uh, and then now, yes, she's moved into writing scores. So she wrote the Power score and she's also written music for the Netflix series The Watcher, which I've not seen, but I tangentially know a little bit about. So the reason why I played something from The Power is because we're now going to talk about it. So it's on Amazon Prime. There's five episodes released now of a total of nine episodes in the first season. It does drop weekly on Fridays because that's the thing we're doing again now. The weekly release, it's back. Uh, And so not everything is out yet, so you won't be able to watch the whole thing, but you can definitely get a bit of a taste so far. It is a science fiction imagining of pretty much our world, but what if 
uh, young girls suddenly developed the power of electricity. So it's kind of this genetic twist, uh, which means they can electrify, electrocute, and ultimately seize power. And so it literally means little electronic bits come out of their hands. Uh, so now that they can hurt or kill at will, uh, what will this do to society, the world, and the place of men? So it's got a lot to say um, about what does it mean to have power, you know, does ultimate power corrupt ultimately or whatever that saying is? And what does it mean when women are the ones to hold an unquestionably larger power? So that's kind of what the book explored. It is an adaptation of The Power by Naomi Alderton, which was released in 2016. I did enjoy the book. I have read it and we did cover it here on the show. There's a bit of a twist to it and the way it's written, um, it's kind of a bit of a back and forth narrative and it's a sprawling narrative too, like it takes place in various different locations around the globe, as does the show, follows that same format. Overall, I thought the book had some interesting things to say. I don't remember that much about it. I do remember that there's a little bit of a twist to it, which obviously I'm not going to spoil, but I'll be interested to see how they do adapt it for the screen because um, I think the premise and the overall what the series has to say is very ripe for TV, but I think there's probably elements of the execution as well that I wonder how they're going to translate that to screen. But I have watched a couple of the first few episodes, so I'll let you know my thoughts on those few that I have seen. Uh, Alderman is involved in the series, and the series actually, and I love this, has an all-female writer's room, which I think is fantastic. Um, And I will delve a little bit more into exactly what the show is about and how it works, but let's listen to some more music because one thing I will say is it has a really great soundtrack. So I've picked out quite a few tracks from The Power that we're going to play and listen to today. So let's go in and get in the mood for some empowering, I don't know, taking down the man or whatever, Uh, and we'll listen to the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs. This is a track called Burning. This is Kim Stanley Robinson, author of Red Mars, Green Mars, and Blue Mars. You're listening to Zero G on 3 R. This is Zero G, and I'm Megan McHugh, and that track was Woman by Karen O and Danger Mouse, and prior to that we heard Burning from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, and that is because apparently the music supervisor on The Power, which is now on Amazon Prime, is a big Karen O fan, so both of those tracks appear on the soundtrack for the new series, which is coming out weekly. There's about five episodes out, so you can check it out. Uh, Premise is basically that... uh, Young women and teenage girls realize they have this new power. Uh, they can electri- They have electricity that comes out of their hands. So they can electrocute things. They can tap into electrical items and so on and so forth. So the show follows as this new power unfolds around the globe and then also the implications of this uh, as things begin to change, for better or worse, you'll have to stay tuned and, and find out as we uh, as you watch the show. But I will say I think uh, it's it's definitely it's trying to do more. It's definitely leaning more towards a handmaid's tale kind of energy, like a bit darker, a little bit grittier than like a Hunger Games kind of energy. So originally when I read the book, I actually thought it was a little young adulty. But then when I reflected, I actually think there's some themes and scenes in there that are probably a little more adult. And so I think this series is really trying to capture the audience that probably would have watched something like A Handmaid's Tale. It does follow uh, some key characters. So we do have glimpses of different characters as this begins to unfold, and they are in various locations across the globe. So we are following activity in Seattle, Lagos, London, the capital of Moldova, 
and uh, various other people in those surrounds. We're following maybe I think four or five key characters, but then some of them also have friends, family members that we follow as well. That's why I think Amazon Prime has this tag to something like global thriller, which is maybe a little misleading. This isn't exactly like Jack Reacher or anything, but it's definitely set in different locations. So you do get a bit of a sense of what would actually be, what it might be like if something like this started to happen everywhere. In what I've seen so far, we're just getting the begin little beginnings of the spark and it's setting up things for what could and should be like a lot of action and a lot of reckoning. So I'll just speak to what I've, what I've, been able to grasp from the first two episodes, which is almost two hours worth of content, to be fair, are key characters that we've followed so far. So I think one of the top build actors involved in this is definitely Toni Collette. They trot her out in all of the marketing. She does play a fairly key role uh, as Mayor Margaret Cleary Lopez. So she's the mayor of Seattle. She was actually, she replaced Leslie Mann, who was originally cast in the role. I'll say a little bit more about that a little later, maybe. But uh, she's sort of following, we follow her as the key public facing, kind of what would happen in politics, how the public would be handled when it comes to this epidemic, for lack of a better term. And she also has a personal connection to what's happening due to having her own teenage daughter who is afflicted with the power. Uh, so odd things start happening around the city that might be connected to this new power emerging and you're kind of just waiting for it to kind of all click with the mayor that something something's going on. Uh, mayor Margot's daughter. Did I say Margaret? Sorry, her name's Margot. So Tony Collette's daughter, Joss, is played by Auli Cravelho. So... Joss is kind of, we get a bit of a window into what it would be like as these powers develop. She's in high school. Uh, actually, the actress who plays Joss, Auli, she was the voice of Moana, which I thought was pretty cool. And she's, yeah, she's playing this very defiant character. Joss is clearly searching for her place in the world. She's an angsty teen. She's a little bit annoying, if we're being honest. <laughs> but we sort of see the two sides of maybe adults going through this and then the actual teenagers who are the ones who are experiencing this emerging power. Uh, Margot's husband, so Tony Collette's husband, is played by John Leguizamo. Uh, Dr. Rob Lopez is his character. We do get some great scenes early on of uh, Margot and Rob's relationship. We get a bit of a glimpse into their marriage and the family dynamics at play. And he's coming at this from the medical perspective. He sees some weird things uh, different scans, things. Oh, what is this strange marking that the girls have um, as a result of this power? Like he's just trying to also piece it together as well. So we also get that adult perspective of from the medical side, uh, what's going on. Uh, going more global now, we have Tohib Jimo playing Tunde. So Tunde is a kind of a journalist uh, living in Nigeria. So he, the actor, uh, Tohib Jimo, is also in Ted Lasso. He plays Sam. Very close to my heart. Fabulous character, fabulous show. And he did have a small role in the French Dispatch as well. So Tunde's curiosity uh, and thirst for knowledge and kind of poking his nose where it doesn't belong does kind of throw him right into the middle of things as the power is also emerging in Nigeria and yet to see where that goes. But he he's kind of getting very embroiled in this uh, while obviously not having the power himself. Uh, another key character that we follow is Roxy, played by Rhea Zemitrowitz. 
And she's the illegitimate daughter of a British gangster. And the said British gangster, Bernie Monk, is played by... Eddie Marson. So you would have seen him. Basically, he played Mr. Norrell in Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell on the BBC. And he was also Inspector Lestrade in Guy Ritchie's Sherlock Holmes. But Rhea as Roxy. So Roxy uh, is, she's, we get a real sense of her place in the family. So obviously, um, Bernie has his own family and he doesn't really acknowledge Roxy very much. And we start to get a sense of her relationship with her father and also her relationship with her mother and the different risks that come with being an illegitimate daughter in a crime family. And the last key character that we follow is Ali. So Ali is played by Hallie Bush and she's adopted into a couple that lives kind of in very conservative area of America now, this storyline's pretty grim fare, so Ali's really out there fending for herself and she goes through a hell of a lot in the series from what I can tell, but she's definitely got that will to survive and a bit of a spark too. So she's kind of the other, one of the core women that we follow. So we've got Roxy in London, we have Joss in Seattle, we have Ali kind of, she's in America somewhere. And the last person that we have is um, someone called Tatiana. So Tatiana is played by Croatian actress Zvinka and she's the wife of the Moldovian president and she's very interesting because she's now very perfectly preened she's the wife of the president she's got this life of luxury but through flashbacks we see glimpses of her former life living in poverty and how we I guess we'll learn a bit of how she came to be where she is now so those are kind of the key characters that we follow in the first two episodes we really don't see very much more than the emergence of the power within these people's lives. So what it means for Ali is she discovers she has this power. Um, Ali is the adoptee. And what it means for Roxy, who discovers she has this power, um, as she's sort of in this really thrown into this crime uh, gangster lifestyle in London. Uh, and then, yeah, just teenager living in the US. Um, how does she? How do they all handle it? What do they do with it? Where will it lead? Uh, and I will talk a little bit more about my overall thoughts, but let's listen to a little bit more music from the show. So this is You Ain't Alone by Alabama Shakes. This is China Mieville, author of Perdido Street Station and The Scar, and you're listening to Zero G on 3RRR FM. That was You Ain't Alone by Alabama Shakes. And that is from the soundtrack to The Power on Amazon Prime, which we're talking a little bit about today. Gave a very haphazard rundown of some of the characters. But in short, all you need to know is that, yes, it is indeed, as Amazon Prime would say, a global thriller, which means basically that it takes place in various different countries across the world. And we do follow a key set of characters in each location. And those locations include Nigeria, England and the U.S., and so we sort of start to see how different young teenagers are dealing with the emerging power and also how society, power structures and other things will react to the change and the emergence of this new way of life. Uh, general thoughts. So, look, it's pretty bleak from the get-go, to be honest. I went in thinking it was going to be kind of zippy, zappy, fun. Ooh, wouldn't it be cool? Like, you know to be like suddenly uh, blessed with this power or whatever. But there's quite a few things that happen in the first episode that quickly correct your assumption that it's going to be a light, 
watch. It's definitely grittier than what I was expecting. Not to say that that's a bad thing at all. Uh, I did, as the episode unfolded, start to remember some of the bleaker snippets from the novel. It is a bit of a dystopia, but I think it's largely meant to be commentary on society and uh, with a bit of a feminist bent, of course. It's not as harrowing and it won't put you through the ringer as much as something like The Handmaid's Tale, which I did sort of bring up earlier. But just to be clear, we're, we're probably still a little couple steps back from that. I'll be interested to see how it executes the rest of the series. I think my hesitation at the moment after the first few episodes is I'm not sure if it's spent a lot of time setting up a variety of characters and that can sometimes be the issue when you have a sprawling narrative and sprawling character set that you're setting it up but there's a lot to set up and you need the audience to have a grip on these characters and really care about them. And some of them I did not care for. And so already I'm like, mm, do I want to watch this person go through this and, and X, Y, Z unfold? I'm not sure yet. So it was also a little bit slow. So the plot and action are unfolding quite slowly, considering that I've watched two episodes and that's like two hours of content. I'd say we're still really waiting for things to kick off. I want to see some conflict. I need to see some tension. We're really just the lightest, lightest touches of getting into the action here so far. Uh, I also think as well, the world building, I think it needs to really start to focus on some of the more societal aspects. Because at the moment, I don't feel attached enough to the characters to really care about their inner world and the turmoil they may or may not be going through necessarily. Uh, So we either need to lean more into that or we need to lean more into action, world building and, and go kind of that route. So I'll be curious to see how the episodes unfold and if they do build on each other and come to more tension, climax, action, like I said. There are some good scenes. Uh, I do think it does seem like they're heading in the right direction. I just wonder about the momentum throughout the series, especially if it's going to be, I think I said nine episodes. Um, I'd love to see how the pacing all turns out because I think you're going to need to keep the audience pretty gripped <laughs> throughout this Overall, it's pretty uh, thoughtful and moody uh, TV. It's it's probably, I mean, I hesitate to start throwing around terms like golden age of television and so on. I think it's it's got some interesting stuff to say and the novel certainly did raise some interesting points. I think there's also some great set pieces and scenes from the novel that I think would translate really well to TV and I would like to see those. But I need to see more in general because the first few episodes were a bit light on and a little bit, little bit drudgy. And maybe I need to care about the characters slightly more too. I do think it has something to offer, so it's probably worth checking out if any of this sounds of interest. Or I would recommend reading the book. I do think it was a pretty quick, pacey read. Uh Yeah, so that's The Power. It's on Amazon Prime. It's coming out weekly. There's about five episodes out now, so we're still waiting for the rest to drop. Might report back if I finish the series and what my overall thoughts were, and perhaps maybe Rob will check it out and maybe give some of his thoughts too. He might latch onto it more or less than me. Who's to say? Uh, So we're kind of coming to the end of uh, Zero G for today. Uh, Just another little shout-out to April Amnesty. Uh, Being a subscriber or fanging us a donation will mean that You can rest safely in the knowledge that you're helping keep this independent broadcaster on air for another year. And if you can't afford a subscription, uh, any donation will be gladly accepted. So it all helps. It all keeps us us going and we appreciate every little bit. Um, 
for today's outtrack, I think I was going to actually go with a Bowie-related track, but I think I might play something else from the... I think I might play something else from the Power soundtrack. Like I said, it does have a pretty Ripper soundtrack. So what we might go out with today is the track... What's the name? Uh, the Last Man on Earth by Wolf Alice. Um... Yeah, Joe Brunetti coming up next with Astral Glamour. This has been Zero G. I'm Megan McHugh. And thank you, as always, to our podcaster, uh, Alice Savage. And I think next week we'll be talking a little bit about the new Dungeons & Dragons movie, uh, which we've both seen and have some thoughts on. So until then, uh, let's go out with Wolf Alice. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast at Triple R's Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.